So it's high summer in the Bay Area, though you wouldn't be able to tell it in today's weather. That is summer. I forget. Take him out of the Midwest, but you can't take the Midwest out of him. You can hardly walk a block anywhere these days without encountering some steadfast soul bearing a clipboard. You know what I mean? There are probably more petitions to sign than citizens to sign them, it seems. Everything from immigration reform to environmental concerns to protesting some plan or another by government, by the local school board, by the local utility. Then there are the fundraisers and membership drives from the ACLU to Greenpeace and the Sierra Club to local grassroots organizations and political action committees out to raise money for threadbare budgets. Ah, maybe this presents an idea for our next parish pledge campaign. <laughs> but in a rather remarkable moment on Friday, as I walked hastily past the hundredth clipboarder, it seemed, on a street corner in San Francisco, he shouted after me, I could make you a hero in two minutes. <laughs> it almost made me do a double take. Hero in two minutes, huh? Is that not evidence of our soundbite age and our cultural drive to get it done and get it done quick? But there were deeper questions that floated up as I pondered his amusing claim that was so seriously offered. What does it mean to be a hero? Could anyone really become one in two minutes? And of course, it immediately brought to mind today's gospel, a well-trod passage of scripture. The parable of the Good Samaritan sits in our popular lexicon as the example of a generous soul. So self-explanatory to us, we can easily lose sight of the greater subtleties of Jesus' teaching through this story. The parable is offered in the context of a conversation with a lawyer, a careful and assiduous soul who is also quite familiar to us because his life is like so many of ours. At least it is like mine. This lawyer is not just the bearer of what we might call the prosecutorial hermeneutic of suspicion that we all know how it infiltrates our culture, how it is in the water everywhere. We are all suspicious by nature. But more importantly, this lawyer's question to Jesus to test him also reveals that he is a consummate ethicist, as so many of us are. Like the faithful of his age or ours, an age of order, an age of laws, he is deeply concerned about doing what's right, about being upright in the eyes of God. Maybe in the parlance of our age, he too wants to be a hero of sorts. For aren't our heroes the greatest of ethicists, out for the cause of justice, always able to do or at least say the right things at the right time? So when he articulates the summary of the law, 
love of God, love of neighbor, and receives Jesus' praise, he still yet desires more. He needs to justify himself. He feels the need to know that he's a good and faithful follower of the deep truths of his Jewish tradition, just as we feel the need to know that we are good and faithful followers of the deep truths of our traditions, too. So he asks, who is my neighbor? Maybe he wants Jesus to affirm what he's done right for those whom he counts as his closest neighbors. He wants to know he's done enough in his carefully managed orbit of social contacts and colleagues. Again, he's a good ethicist. Yet he wants to know he's done right by God, not on God's terms, but on his own terms. So the parable of the Good Samaritan unsettles his self-serving pursuit of righteousness and ours too. Jesus offers up examples of the priest and the Levite among the keepers of righteousness of his day. And it is not that the priest and the Levite are mean people for passing by on the other side of the road. What they are doing as good ethical people is quite natural. They have responsibilities, obligations, and rituals to uphold. The man was left for dead touching a potentially dead body or even the blood of the injured would have likely rendered any priest or Levite ritually unclean and unable to attend to their socially sanctioned duties for a time. So busy were they in attending to their good, ethical, righteous tasks that they had no time to stop for an errand of mercy. There could be a hundred, not a thousand different reasons some of them quite legitimate in the eyes of self-justification and the call of righteousness. A thousand different reasons that they pass by on the other side. But the one who can stop, the one who can offer compassion to the robbed and laid low, the one who can afford the time is this Samaritan, who is oddly enough a pariah, a bit of an anti-hero in the eyes of the lawyer, the priest, the Levite, the faithful Israelites of the age. It's the Samaritan, the outsider, the unexpected, who is free of the self-justifying strictures that keep the priest and the Levite away. It's the Samaritan who makes the parable unsettling to our own self-justifying ways. It's the social outcast who has nothing to lose, who is most free to do what is right in the eyes of God's kingdom, touch the half-dead man and offer him healing. The Samaritan becomes the hero of the story precisely because he is not out to justify himself like everyone else. Because he has no self-justifying stumbling block, his God-given compassion can turn him into a good neighbor, selflessly offering mercy to a stranger so desperately in need. In our reading today from Deuteronomy, 
The Israelites are at the border of the promised land looking in. They are receiving their final teachings from Moses before they cross the Jordan with Joshua's leadership. Consummate ethicists as well, though, as we all know, not all that successful given their repeated failures in the wilderness. They continue to strive to know what it will take to please God, to have God on their side, to be justified before their Lord. But tucked away amidst the difficult passages of laws and customs that dominate Deuteronomy is today's reading. Moses teaches them an important truth. The commandments that they are receiving from God are a gift, a grace, so much more than a narrow set of laws by which they are to be measured or to measure one another or to measure themselves. They are not to look high and low for God's command as though it is an unattainable mystery, an impossible task. Rather, the heart of God's command is near to them. It is the word written in their hearts and perhaps on their very lips if they will only utter it, if they will only listen. One of our great spiritual struggles as Christians is that we too often sit at the edge of the promised land, the kingdom of God, and look in, wondering what we must do, good ethicists that we all are, to inherit God's abundant love for us. What will it take for God to take delight in prospering us in all of our undertakings? What will it take for us to become the two-minute heroes that we may be justified in the eyes of our Creator? We look and strive and search high and low sometimes for that answer as though it is outside ourselves, an unattainable mystery. And if only we could find it, we could take charge of our own justification before our Maker. How easily we forget that God in Christ has already justified us. We need no longer be in charge of our own righteousness, our own worthiness in God's eyes. This is why we gather in worship, why we baptize and why we break the bread week after week. It reminds us that Christ has justified us. That the word of God has drawn near the love of God and love of neighbor has come among us as gift. We are challenged to embrace that gift and live into it more deeply, yes, to become God's faithful followers and even Jesus' disciples and friends, but this means putting God's love ahead of our striving to be good ethicists, ahead of our struggle to be heroes. The divine gift of wisdom in the parable of the Good Samaritan is that God's command to love our neighbors is rooted deeply in the compassionate heart, not in the assiduously ethical, not in our righteous quest to justify ourselves before God. Mercy is most abundant when we forget our self-justifying tendencies and therefore become like the Samaritan. 
We then have nothing to lose when we offer help to those most in need. Being a neighbor is about letting go of the carefully strictured self-righteousness of the priests and Levites of every age and embracing the self-emptying love of the Samaritan and that of our beloved Christ. True heroes are true neighbors, I reckon. And they are not made in two minutes by signing a petition or merely pledging to an organization. Neighbors in the kingdom are different kinds of heroes altogether. They forget themselves and remember God's gracious love and God's children first and foremost. They subordinate self-justification to the way of the cross and the self-offering of communion. They give themselves in love to those most in need and expect nothing in return. And in doing so, by God's grace alone, without that grasping self-striving, they become like the Samaritan, heroes for the kingdom of our loving God, for the kingdom of eternal life, which is drawn near in Christ Jesus. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot O-R-G. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.